It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Seven twenty-four. It's my son's 18th birthday tomorrow. Can you believe it? A homie. All right. Comes down, and that reminds me I have to do a homie spot today. All right. Comes down in three, two, one. It is Locked on Jazz for the 24th of July. The Utah Jazz scrimmage against the Phoenix Suns get hammered early, trail the whole way. Is it concerning? No. We'll talk about it, though. We'll break it down. We'll take your thoughts. It's a live show edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Jazz Jazz NBA insider, hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day with geeky numbers, crazy insight, wackiness, I don't know what else. Hope everyone's doing well. Happy Pioneer Day for those of you that are in Utah. July 24th is a holiday we celebrate here in Utah. If you aren't aware of it, look it up. It's also Carl Malone's birthday. It's also Barry Bonds' birthday. It's the day before my son's 18th birthday. How's that? Uh, hope everyone's doing great. Let's talk about last yesterday's scrimmage. Uh, we'll start with kind of the overriding aspect of things is the, the jazz were pretty soft last night that, you know, new experience, new environment. I I don't mean it critically, but the fact is they, they, they were pretty soft yesterday. They, they didn't put up a lot of resistance. Phoenix went straight to the basket with regularity, uh, they Phoenix scored something like 18 of their first 22 points in the paint last night. Uh, guys weren't guarding their yard, as they say. Like, you got to just match up and guard your guy. Uh, there were some pretty good blow buys. Uh, and the Jazz are going to have to work really hard to be good defensively because they're really small. That was obvious also. that The first one, I would say I'm not too concerned about it. New environment, haven't played other guys. A lot of stuff not not to worry about there. This is reality. This team without Boyan Bogdanovich and the way it has been all year is super small. And so they're going to have to find ways to play bigger. They're going to have to find ways to eat space. They're going to have to impact. I think Conley and Donovan are going to have to impact the ball so that they're altering angles by which other teams are getting into their stuff. And then they can't have blow buys like Jordan had a bunch of times where guys just blew by him defensively. So that, to me, what jumped out last night, just uh, we and you kind of knew it, was that the loss of Boyan, while he's not a good defensive player per se, is the fact that he ends up taking up some real space. And, the fa- and, and so we're small. And that was evident. And then you got to guard your guys. I mean, I think that's the other part is that, and you know what? You're, you're not, you know, that's, if you just think about the way we play, we're a system, move the ball, do all those things kind of aspect of of how we play the game. And so when they're playing against our own guys, there aren't guys just trying to beat them one-on-one all the time. Well, Phoenix didn't come out to run any stuff. Phoenix came out to beat you one-on-one, go at you, and then if they got one of our smaller guys on them, just to bogart them toward the basket. So that, to me, was kind of the takeaway and and if there's a – what has to improve and if there's a concern. And that is lack of size – a little bit of toughness, physical aspect of things. Phoenix was just bigger at every position, and most teams are going to be bigger at every position with where we are right now as a team. So I, that that's kind of the, the overriding, like, jump out. The other one, actually, is some of the good news kind of stuff. 
Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell both look terrific. And frankly, what you really care about is that your best players look really good in this setting. You know, it's fun if somebody like Jarrell Brantley for a few minutes kind of sparked you like, wow, he might be able to play in this league. Or Mia One makes a corner three. But that's actually irrelevant. What's relevant in the three scrimmages is that our best players actually look good. Donovan looked terrific. And uh, Mike Conley looked really quick at what he was doing. Uh, So, you know, when your best players looks really, really good, that's important, more important than, hey, we look small. We weren't physical enough defensively. We guys weren't guarding their yard. Like, those things can all be adjusted, but your team's going to go how your best players go. Donovan looked super offensively. Mike looked really quick. His third quarter sequence was just fabulous. And then there were a bunch of really interesting combinations that this team is going to try to figure out what's taking place and how they're how they're going to work. Um, from an offensive standpoint, I think the big thing is you're going to see is a willingness to shoot, right? So, you know, the contrast of two possessions and both guys are trying to do the right thing. George got the ball straight away three. Guy pretty well draped on him. He's really learned how to get that shot off quickly. You know, he really, he holds the one foot and can just step into it without, you know, he's not vertically touching the ceiling on his, on his jumper. He's getting that off. It looks like it's contested, but that's a good look for a good shooter. Few possessions later, Joe has a similar look. Now, Joe needs a little bit more time, but Joe doesn't take it. That little bit of hesitation ends up him driving and taking an awkward floater from seven feet, even if he makes he missed it. So it really looks good for stats guys like me. But even if he makes it, that's not the shot they want. They want to take that quicker three. And there's a little bit of an adjustment to that. I thought we saw some of that. The shooting's still good, right? You know, that was my point the other day. Uh, I'm kind of all over the map here for a second, but that was my point the other day was that when I went through the three things I thought were going to be most important this week to this type of basketball in the bubble, remember the three things I said, shooters will still be able to shoot. Great shooters will still be great. Average shooters, I think, will be below average. You Isolation basketball will matter, and protecting the rim is going to matter more than ever. So if you look at the scrimmage game, Phoenix came out and played isolation basketball, just blew by our guys. We just did not hold our ground. Shooters could still shoot. Right. We're great shooters. We're the number one shooting team in the league and we still could really shoot it. And our best shooters were all great. Remember, we've got five or six guys that are over 40 percent in three point shooting. And so, you know, Donovan's three of four. Clarkson, three of seven. George was three of four last night. Those guys had fabulous shooting three point shooting days. Tony Bradley was 0 of two. Okay, I love the fact he took him. I love the fact that Tony's like, okay, if they're going to play me at a four, I'm going to take that shot. That's great. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, So. You know, when you see, I think we saw all of those aspects. We've got to be better uh, protecting the rim. But back to where I was on that for a second. I, you know, I thought the I thought the key and maybe the most important aspect of the Jazz is how good Donovan and Mike looked offensively. Because frankly, if they're not great offensively, we're in a lot of trouble. Joe, George, uh, Royce, Manuel are all going to work off of those guys. Jordan's probably not. Jordan's going to work in his own little dom- domain and figure out his own ways to get to the basket and do his thing. Like Jordan, you know, and, and we're good. I'm fine with it. Joe uh, Jordan's assist rates, the lowest of his career since coming to Utah and his, you know, rim percentages are the highest of his career when he gets in them, but he's got a little something to him. That's important to this team. Uh, and so that I think, you're seeing that. So the key to this is those two guys. And I thought they were great. Mike's hesitation game third quarter was just super. And 
the other one I thought was interesting to watch from the Jazz, and maybe this was – I don't know what that atmosphere was like. Donovan talked afterwards that it was uh, it was awfully quiet. Um, and, and I think there might have been some weird jitters, and you're, I, I just think, you know, early on it's just a different um, aspect of things. Um, the And that is that early there was a lot of pick and roll and shots. And then as we saw the game go on, there was a little bit more pick and roll and look out. In fact, Joe, who actually doesn't throw the pass out to the corner shooter very much, he's usually getting the assist to the roller, hit, uh, might have been George on, on one in the corner, and then George drove and went back to Joe in the left corner. And that, to me, was kind of the moment, and I think that was in the second quarter, when they were getting back to playing like who they are and what they regularly are as a team. Early, it was a lot of drive and one guy, not a lot of teamwork, not a lot of ball movement. Kind of, it was back to, if you remember, we had, we talked about it yesterday, we had the passing numbers as the year went on uh, have gotten better. So I thought we saw a little bit of uh, October, November, and then we saw a little December. And then by the end of that last play, the first half was brilliant. That was January, February ball movement. I thought the, the ball movement continued to be better in the third quarter. And then they, they pulled everyone at 20 minutes uh, at that point. So those are kind of my overall thoughts just to sum it up. Not physical enough, not guarding the yard, and really small. And that's going to be a defensive adventure. Offensively, I thought Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell were terrific. And I thought they as a group, as the night went on, got better and better and better doing what they do uh, as a team. And then I'd say the final one was is – this aspect of just learning to get that shot off quicker. The Jazz want to shoot threes. They're going to beat people with threes. That's what they are, and they're going to have to find a way uh, to do that. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and located in Linden. If you're looking for a car right now, it's up to you what you want, right? Like, you know your own personal likes, and it all comes. I, I think I've told the story, like, we were in Seattle many, many years ago, and I had done this incredible research project and done all the work, as you probably know me would expect. And so the Honda Passport was absolutely unquestionably the car we had to get with all the data on it. Uh, this was, you know, like 98. And I, I went through the whole process, got literally got the car, got to the moment by which I was going to buy it. And it was like, I don't like it. Like, you know what? And that's part of car buying. And so ended up actually spending a good deal more money and went and got the old Acura MDX because that was the nicer version of all the same data. So like I, I would tell you, you've got to like it. But if you're looking for a car right now, go take a moment and look and see what Hyundai has to offer. Because if you do the analysis and you're a stats guy and you like data, you'll look and see you get more bells, more whistles, more safety features for the dollar with your Hyundai than any other car you can get out there. Now you got to decide. Do you like the Santa Fe? Do you like the Tucson? Do you like the Kona? Does it work for you? You're going to like driving the car. That's up to you. But if you're looking for a car right now, stop by Murdoch Hyundai at 4646 South State Street or in Logan or in Linden, or you can still do it all online if you'd rather not have the social contacts. They still have the Murdoch Share program going. Email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com. That's dlock09 at gmail.com. And make sure you stop by. Let me know and we'll get you up with a personal setup and a personal meeting. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. Multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. 
But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30 plus health conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it. And if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash locked on NBA. That's Freshly.com slash locked on NBA. All right, let's get to the phone calls uh, or the phone calls. Wow, I just went back to 1990. Um, let's get to your thoughts, your questions, uh, various things. Uh, I want it in the chat room. They're open. We're live today on YouTube at Lockdown Live, on Twitch at Lockdown Live, on Facebook at Lockdown Live, also Lockdown Sports on Periscope and on um, Facebook. So stop by. Josh from Instagram at DLock09. Rudy didn't play great, but our perimeter guys. Need to play better defense, tighten up in the second half, but I don't know how much Tony being in there helped. Um, all right, so a few things on Rudy. You know, I think there's, like, I know this is like a hot topic and everyone, and God, I heard Max Kellerman on first take, and that's my thought on that. Can't say it. I don't know if I'm allowed to do that either. It was such garbage. Like, that's such a powerful position to have to be on first take and to, like, literally say Rudy Gobert infected everybody with coronavirus and it was his fault. that they, Like, be responsible. That was garbage. Sorry. Shouldn't watch it. I never watch that kind of shows. I vow that I won't watch those shows because they'll bother me. They'll impact me. They'll get me to have a take I shouldn't have. And I'll be reacting to things I shouldn't do. And there I did it. Okay, I'll go back to my old rules of not watching. They're grabbing Rudy on everything. They were literally fighting over the top of screens and they would just like fling themselves off Rudy and they were holding him on almost every play. So, you know, one is they got that game's that's got to get called. Um, I still think one of the more interesting parts of bubble basketball is going to be how officials are calling things. Two, um, Rudy's got to be stronger and probably got to flail a little bit. Um, there was a funny moment, I will say, where Rudy rolled to the basket. I think it was Emmanuel Moutier driving, and Rudy started to point up, and he said, like, pull back. Like, these guys are impacted by everything that has taken place. There's no question on that. Rudy's trying to be a different teammate, a different person. He said it openly. Like, I think we actually saw it on that play. It was pretty funny. Um, it's great. Like, this this is part of it. Uh, the, uh, I, I, you know, Rudy's just being hold. But, hey, there is a real issue here that we should, that, you know, we got to be honest about. Like, and that is, if you go back to pre-All-Star break, I think Rudy was getting – or post-All-Star break, I think Rudy was getting six shots a game, right? Six shots a game in the five, in the 10 games post-All-Star break. Now, you know, was he not healthy for all of them? We don't actually know any of that anymore. That's always the great mystery on on him and Donovan when you look at some of their, their numbers on those final games. Um, but that's only six shots. And t- last night, I think he only had four. In the, now, shorter games. Remember, last night's numbers are a little wacky because it was a 40-minute game instead of 48. And so, you know, we got to keep an eye on, on getting Rudy the basketball. Rudy took three shots last night in 22 minutes. He plays his 30. It's right at that. It's below that six. And that's not enough. And it's hard. And Rudy is not a player offensively that can self-dictate how many shots he gets unless it's by running the floor and transition and getting a few. And uh, also, you know, maybe a little bit of angle changes things, but he's relying on other people to get him the ball. And he's relying on a defense that makes a mistake or two because – 
No one's given up dunks to Rudy anymore. The 306 dunks or whatever it was last year have led teams to change the way they defend. This league is filled with genius, brilliant coaches, and it's not rocket science to look at this and say, hey, this guy last year had 306 dunks. We can't allow him to do that again, and they take it away. And so teams are cracking off the weak side. Teams are grabbing and holding, and that's that's a part of our offense we've got to rediscover on Rudy. Defensively, I wasn't – there's got to be some momentary resistance of the drive to the basket before, or for Rudy to be able to do anything. Okay, like, like so, there's got to be a little help there. So I, I, I wasn't uh, particularly worried about that. Um, uh, Steel D eighty three. If all these guys look good and we're still getting our butts whipped, it's a scrimmage, bud. Like it's a scrimmage. Like don't freak out about a scrimmage. Yeah, it'd be great to win, but like it didn't count, didn't matter. And frankly, a little bit I would say is I think. You know, it probably counts a little bit for Phoenix, who's unlikely to go make uh, any of the playoff scenario. It's very, very unlikely. I mean, with Port, the, the most interesting part of this whole uh, seeding series is going to be this. Everyone's going to talk about New Orleans and Memphis. It's Portland and New Orleans. Portland and New Orleans, if New Orleans, Portland look great, and Zach Collins and Yusuf Nurkic together look great. If Portland could get if Portland gets to within three games of Memphis, but New Orleans is within two games of Memphis, then it's still New Orleans Memphis. So Portland's got to catch New Orleans and be ahead of New and then be get close to close enough to Memphis. Right? You you follow me what I'm saying? So the if you're within four games of the eight seed, and Portland's actually tied with New Orleans. So those two teams, I don't think there's any question that one of those two teams can be within four games. Now, I guess the wild card here is if Memphis collapses, and remember, they traded some players, Solomon Hill, Jay Crowder, so their roster's not full, but they have Brandon Clark and Jaron Jackson back. If they were to collapse, could Portland and New Orleans catch both of them? Sacramento fans would be very upset with me right now because I'm not counting them into this mix, but you know, we'll see. So these teams are three and a half games back, both Portland and New Orleans are, Portland looks way better. I haven't looked at schedules. And frankly, I don't know that there's a great value to looking at schedules because it's so unclear who's going to play what in what games. So Stan Van Gundy made the point that I would rather play. You want to play the good teams early because they won't be playing their guys. They're ramping up like the Lakers are going to ramp up to that. Um, And so that you'd rather not play them in the first four games instead of the second four games when they're ramping up. Interesting. Whereas, you know, by the time you get to the last four and you have the Spurs twice and they're out of it, maybe they're not playing their guys, any, anybody anymore. And they're playing them like just to, as summer league games to get some of their younger guys time. I, you know, who knows how this plays out? It's going to be interesting. Um, Adam Jack, anything stand out to you on Periscope, anything stand out to you, or Twitter live, whatever they call it, uh, anything stand out to you on the end of the bench guys in the second half yesterday. So, Jarrell Brantley's really interesting. Um, he's a defensive end playing basketball. That body's incredible. You actually watch him. He handles the ball a lot. He reminds me a little bit of Julius Randle. I'm not sure that's like, you know, I know Julius Randle isn't always thought of. Julius Randle's just a bona fide scorer. Brantley wants to shoot a little bit more or wants to pass a little bit more than I think Julius Randle does and probably doesn't have the, you know, pure 20 point a game scoring skills. Um, it's pretty interesting. I mean, when Sarge tried to bump and back him in the post, 
Uh, he couldn't move him. I'll be interested if I got to see Brantley more and the G League is a guard diamond league. I could talk to uh, Salt Lake Stars GM Bart Taylor and GM of the year Bart Taylor about this. I don't know how Brantley did this year when switching onto guards because if Brantley is able to switch onto guards and is good enough with his feet, that would be a great piece because he's not going to get moved in the post and then he can hold defensively positionally one through four and Frankly, he's big enough. He might be able to play a five. Uh, again, another note I don't know enough. Is he an out-of-area rebounder? Is he a quick, t- quicker twitch in that type? That's a very different skill, right? To have the balance and then be able to go out of your area for a rebound rather than just to have elusiveness. Those are two different body skills. I haven't seen enough of him to know that, but if he can do that with his size, that would be great because then he could probably play the five and rebound the five. Um, he's not big enough to be a rim protector, I don't think, but he's his size is important. I like him. I'm, I'm intrigued by him. Um, his, you know, shooting will be helpful, but if he's playing with the ball in his hands a little bit in a unique manner, then some of those spacing issues aren't a big deal. Let me say this though, about a scout once said this about Julius Randall to me. I think it's a fascinating concept. Players like Jarrell Brantley who are doing things that are unnaturally, uh, unnatural for their position that are unique, right? To be that size is unique. To have that handle at that size is unique. To pass at that size is unique. To be, you know, all, they're, it's cool. But ask yourself whether or not there shouldn't be somebody else on your floor doing it who's better at it. Their point about Julius Randle was Julius Randle does a bunch of really neat things, but everything that he does, somebody else on the floor does better, so he shouldn't be doing them at the time. It was interesting. Um, doesn't mean Julius Randle's not good. Just means that you probably, if you're a really good team, you actually have a point guard that's handling the ball. If you're right, if you're, you know, if you're a really good team, you've got a real score, like kind of thing like that. Um, all right. From Ryan on Facebook. So with the shortened season, many teams have tougher schedule or easier schedule. Who of the top tier have inflated record based on that and vice versa? Who's better team than the record shows? You know, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I think the divider that I look at when I've tried to evaluate where teams are and and who they are and kind of, you know, what's going on league is I who, who everyone's record above against 500 teams. Um, and to me, that's that's different. So, like, take Oklahoma City, for example. There's all this talk about how incredible they are in the clutch and they have been amazing. Like, I'd love to dig into that. Are those against good teams or bad teams? And how many times did they lead? Because Oklahoma City so far this year against above 500 teams is 10 and 19. Okay, that leads me to feel like this is not quite as real as it would be otherwise. The Lakers are 19 and 10 against above 500 teams. Clippers are 19 and 12. Denver's 18 and 12. For the amount I criticize Denver or devalue their success, like at some point I got to shut up. They're 43 and 22. They were the third seed in the league last year or maybe in the second seed, like for all the lack of altitude, lack of efficient scores, lack of it, like they just win, right? They give them credit. I'm talking to myself. Um, Houston, 16 and 11. Uh, We are 13 and 14 against above 500 teams. Dallas is 14 and 18 against above 500 teams. And then Oklahoma City's 10 and 19. I think that's telling. Memphis is 12 and 20. Portland's 8 and 22. New Orleans, 12 and 24, Sacramento, 10 and 22. So 
Um, and then if you actually look at that, there's not a huge disparity amount of games played against above 500 teams. In fact, our 27 is the fewest. I think there's a pretty good argument that we may have played actually one of the softer schedules uh, up to this point of the season. Today's show is brought to you by Homie, revolutionizing the real estate market, changing the way we look at the real estate world by changing the way we see commissions. So instead of the old school 6%, you're giving all this money, Homie is giving you set prices, earning your money back and making sure that you have more equity either to buy a house or do all the things you want to do. Couple that with the fact that Homie's done a remarkable job of selling houses faster than the market value and at a higher average price than the market value. And you've got some pretty fabulous analytics and data from for Homie. So make sure that you take a look at what Homie is doing. If you're in the market to sell real estate, Homie surveyed, surveyed over a thousand millennial Americans on topics related to real estate. Only 13% of millennials feel comfortable and confident they understand the process of buying or selling a home. And 65% of respondents don't know that the typical amount of commissions paid when selling a house is 6% or $18,000 on a $3,000 home. 42% of the respondents believe it's free to use a buyer's agent to purchase a home. These are not true. And Homie is addressing those items to make sure it is ready for you. Go to homie.com or text uh, homie at six, text lock to 646. Let me make sure I have that right. I switched my little uh, um, item. And I now I'm having a, I'm having a dyslexic moment, which does not um, ever cause you it just causes confusion. It's 88588. That's 88588. Text LOCK to 88588. All right, back to your questions. Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I tried everything, massages, chiropractors, this at-home device, handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me. And now the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet. It's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network right now, and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on. Theragun.com slash locked on. Um, hi to Fazli in Sri Lanka. I hope you're doing great. Uh, yes, Boyan Bogdanovich is out for the entire playoffs. He had wrist surgery. Um, time, depending when we start timetable, actually, you know, camp. Camp could be tight on him. That's a big, it was a big surgery. Um, Rajon Tucker's perimeter defense was exciting to me, says Ian on Periscope. Yeah, he got into guys. It was good. Uh, what was up with Royce having four fouls early? I mean, he got four fouls early. Royce is undersized. It's going to, he's a physical defender. He plays, Royce is not like got great quickness. Royce's strength is physical prowess. So he's, you know, he's a brick. Like he hits um, you and you don't move. So that's how he's got to play. Uh, defensively from Instagram has Tony Bradley shown he's not good enough defensively to depend on the playoffs. Wow. 
like last night? Like, I mean, we weren't good defensively as a team. I mean, hey, you're first-time rotation player in the NBA. The playoffs are going to be a big jump for Tony. There's no question. But we also have to realize when you're paying your center $30 million, you have a inexperienced backup. They've developed Tony in the G League. He's a million times better than ever. It's been great work by Martin Schiller and Bart Taylor and the star staff for what they've put together there. Great work by Vince Lagarza this year with Tony. He's way better. Um, and depending on matchups, I mean, DeAndre Ayton's the number one pick of a draft, everybody. Like he averages 22 and 12. Like that's a good player. He was the number one pick of the draft. They took him ahead of Luka. They took him ahead of Marvin Bagley. They took him ahead of Jaron Jackson. They took him ahead of Trey Young. Not, I mean, there's some questions on Robert Sarver, but not because DeAndre Ayton's good. Like Tony Bradley shouldn't be able to handle DeAndre Ayton. To make sure we're like realistic. Like our backup point guard that was a late first round draft pick who's still developing should not be able to handle the number one pick of a draft. Did it look like Rudy and Donovan still have problems with each other or am I stressed for no reason? You're stressed for no reason. Not a single thing in last night's game that would have said to me that Donovan and Rudy are having problems. In fact, the matter is Donovan and Rudy's pick and roll is so incredibly improved than what it was a year ago. Uh, and that is not being talked at all. I mean, I think they've gone from like 0.9 points per pick and roll to 1.1 pick and, points per pick and roll. Does the NBA championship this year come with an asterisk? Will it count like any other? I, I mean, it'll count differently because it's a different environment. I think it's going to be the best basketball we've ever seen in the history of the game. No travel, no distractions. Guys are rested. Guys are going to be at peak performance playing every other day. I think we're going to see the best, highest level basketball we've ever seen in the history of the league. And I think it's going to be incredible, particularly mid-first round games, and then second round and beyond. I, it's going to be... So I think the best team's going to win. I think the play is going to be the best there's ever been. I think it's going to be a bigger challenge than in some ways it's going. Sure, you put an asterisk next to it. Like, I don't know what the hell an asterisk is and what it means. It's different. The lockout championship of the Spurs was different. It was a 50-game season. This is a different season. But under the rules are played this year, like the champion's going to be clearly the best team by a lot. Um, Zach Campbell, I don't have much to offer, but I'm so incoherently ecstatic to have jazz basketball back. I think a lot of people feel that way. And that might be the best comment of the day, Zach. You're absolutely right. But I have to fill 30 minutes. So if I didn't say anything, then it would be really weird. When Rudy and Donovan don't sit by each other on the bench, is that a sign of things to come or local sports radio hosts trying to start a fire for publicity? Um, the seating at the arena, it, the, each seat is designated to a player. You have to sit in the same seat that was designated to you. When you like, so you'll see there's a name tag. Tony Bradley has to sit in Tony Bradley's seat. Nobody else can sit in it. They have to be socially distanced. They have their own water bottles, their own items, their own, you know, whatever they use for their hands uh, or dry their hands, whatever towels, all of them are all designated to each of them themselves. And so, therefore, it has absolutely nothing to do. And I, whoever said that, I doubt was being serious. Um, it sounds like someone I know having some fun. Um, and you know, like, you know, the university of Southern California, USC university of spoiled, ch no children. Just kidding. Um, if that's my guess on who would be having fun with you on that one, I think you bit, bit hook lion sinker and have a hook in your uh, mouth. Um, 
of the non-starter, non-regular rotation guys that stood out in press, I think I answered that. I, I know we love that kind of stuff. That's from uh, Twitch, from Brown, uh, Ted Bundy, nice name. Um, I, I, I'd say that, um, you know, I, I don't think it's that relevant, but I answered Brantley as kind of my answer. Did this game concern me at all? I mean, I think we're small defensively. I think we need to be more physical defensively, and we have to work hard defensively. But no, like, it's a scrimmage. Absolutely not. First game back against opponents. Nope. I mean, like the same way that my broadcast probably wasn't very good, and I hope it didn't bother you. First time ever calling a game in Vivint Smart Home Arena when the game's in Orlando. First time ever calling it off a Jumbotron. First time being 30 feet away from my broadcast partner. First, like, we're all doing something totally different than we've ever done before. If you're going to evaluate us on the first time we've done that for a few minutes, uh, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. So I feel the same way about the players. Um. Uh, Steve Rosley says, I know it's really tough for broadcasters. Tell the TV crew they were great last night. There are some aspects of this where I think your viewer experience as a TV is going to be a million times better. I mean, the TV angle on Rajon Tucker's dunk was incredible. I don't think they regularly get that. So, I mean, there's some really, really cool TV stuff that's actually going on right now. And uh, I, I think that's that's going to be fun for you as a fan. I'd like you to listen on the radio. Um, but I mean, what what Travis Henderson and Jeremy Brunner and, and all those guys are doing is incredible. Um, and they're and it's hard for them because they don't have control like they usually do. So a lot of the signature jazz things you're used to seeing um, are are an interesting kind of different way of doing things. Um, so sorry, I keep bouncing the Instagram. So I think, you know, those guys have a tough job. They're not in control of a lot of the shots. There was a really cool TV angle. Uh, frankly, it was impossible to call off radio uh, for the radio. I couldn't see the players, but it was incredible if I was a viewer where they basically had a camera in what was the same spot as if you were sitting center floor with your feet on the floor. So you're getting the view of the thousand dollar seat and you could see the size of the players and you could see the contact. Now, unfortunately, they passed to the far corner and Mia One um, was on the far side. And, I, and because I can't see what's going on, I didn't see him check into the game. Like I'm not... <clears throat> we all have challenges. I'm not, compl- I, I guess I am complaining. Like there are unique challenges to trying to call a game off a screen and not being in the arena. You can't see who's checking in. You can't see the coaches. You can't see all the players on the floor at all the times. Like there's some unique challenges to that. So there's my wham. Um, just let me grow with it. Let me deal with it. Um, give me room. But the TV stuff, I'm sure if I talk to Bowler, he's got some same issues. I know Bowler didn't have, like, he had no effects in his ears last night. So it was particularly hard for him in that regard. There's all these little things. But from a viewer standpoint, the angles and the shots you're going to get and some of the stuff Thurl's going to be able to do analysis. And I heard Matt was uh, really cool to have on from Atlanta and is, is amazing. And, um, you know, they've compiled a ton of sound. So KK's bringing you a huge amount of stuff from her perch. Um, and, KK is like the only other human I can see. I kind of peer over and see. Okay, actually, that's not true. Some of the social networking people were there too. Um, but anyway, I actually think from a viewer standpoint, you're going to have an incredible experience. And there, if you're watching, it's really, if you're into this, if you're like a young wannabe broadcaster producer, you should watch all the scrimmages because each night, each game, they're trying something new. They didn't do any of the crowd stuff for us last night. But in Miami, they had the Miami crowd sh- pulled into the game with the Miami announcer. So you actually heard Miami's PA announcer announce two minutes, like the way you hear Dan Roberts. When we have a home game, you'll hear Dan Roberts. If you noticed last night, like Les Olsen company and, and was the billboards and new skin was a billboard. They had the jazz home game 
So our sponsors were the billboards in the building last night. The level they're going to on this is just remarkable. And let me just say this, as much as I just gave you the list of aspects that are hard about the broadcast and it's not what I dreamed of doing as a child and I'm trying to learn how to do it, I got to just give an incredible amount of thank you as I wrap up today's show to Travis Henderson, I I, I believe in, in the largest amount, uh, Jeremy Brunner as well, Jeremy Castro, Chris Bum. Our broadcast setup last night was as good as I could have possibly ever thought of or dreamed of. There, it, it, it is not difficult to do. There was nothing prohibiting me from doing what we are doing. Like there are limitations in the basic entity of calling a game from an arena where a game's in another arena. But other than that, I had perfect sound. I had perfect vision. I had perfect space. I had everything I needed. The The level of detail, I could not, it was so different than what actually I thought would happen on our first time out. It was amazing last night. So a huge thank you to everyone involved uh, from that aspect of things. And hopefully we'll just get better at it. That's what we've got right now. We got to do our jobs. We've got to get better at it. And hopefully we'll give you a good product. And, you know, I wasn't, I didn't feel particularly connected to that game, but that was a scrimmage. Like, you know, we're not even broadcasting every play last night in the same way we would. We're checking with Aaron Falk from the bubble. We're having Mike Wells and Jeff Watkinson on the show. It was just a very different uh, broadcast. You know, two more of these. And then when we play the New Orleans Pelicans, the first game back, I think that's going to be a wow moment. We'll see how it goes. Thanks for tuning in. Kind of rambled a lot today. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, it is Locked on Jazz. Have a great weekend and a safe Pioneer Day. Don't shoot fireworks if you're in Summit County. They're illegal. Don't be an idiot. Um don't burn down houses, right? Be safe. Um, have fun. Enjoy yourself. We'll talk back with you Monday. We'll have a scrimmage Saturday. We're live on Saturday at 2 o'clock. TV's tape delayed. So uh, grab our radio call and then go watch it and see if it looked like the same thing. Have a super day. Bye, people. Thank you. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.